So good morning, everybody. Hope you got some good rest and settling in here. It usually takes a little while to settle in, especially if this is a new place, new form for you. So, so before we start with uh, meditation practice, I'd like to just invite um, those who have cell phones to. Um, bring them up and ceremonially um, renounce by putting them in the basket and we'll keep them in safekeeping till the end of the week and you can be happily free from that itch, from that perennial, should I check? Oh, I don't know, I'm not supposed to, but maybe there's something I'm missing out on, oh no. And just, it's just very relieving to put it down. Maybe some of you already put your phones in your cars or hidden them somewhere in your room so you can't remember where they are. Um, but really like to encourage you to uh, renounce them if you can. And we'll do that in a moment by bringing them up here. And um, if you haven't, you're always welcome to Maybe you thought, no, just in case, you know, I might need to, uh, and then you go, no, I really should just give it to the managers, and so that uh, they're welcome to, they're welcome for uh, donations anytime of cell phones. So you will get them back. Um, I know on the young adult retreat, they often forget about their phones and they leave without them. They get so used to not being with them. So you might think, oh, maybe I don't need it. I'm not so dependent on them after all. So please, if you'd just like to come up and uh, we'll just form a line here and um, place them in the basket. So maybe starting with the front row, and we'll just go row by row. And we will just bow to you as you put your phone in as a way of honoring your renunciation. And the second row. third row. Any takers on the third row? Anybody else? Just come up as you like. <clears throat> okay, well the cell phone receptacle is always open for business, so feel free at any time to drop them off. We'll keep them in safekeeping. And I guess I should mention as part of Noble Silence, which I forgot to mention yesterday, that we uh, ask you not to read anything. So no books, no magazines, no, no whatever things you thought you'd have time to catch up on, no Kindles, um, and particularly no cell phones or no laptops. Right? This is a digital-free zone, a digital-free retreat, and particularly because of the deep habit, compulsion, addiction, um, that has consumed us in the last decade since smartphones came out. Um, it's really healthy, as I mentioned yesterday, to just let that go. Um, so, so I'd ask all of you to commit to that. And the, part of the reason of that is, um, is, you know, we have so much stimulation in our lives already. Our brains, our minds are so over revving with data, information, and stimulation. And as we'll talk about today, we're inviting you to arrive, to slow down, to, and the, the retreat is a low stimulation environment, partly to support the meditation process. So the more that we keep engaging in reading or in conversation, the more that agitates and stimulates the mind, makes it harder to settle. So we do that not as, as a sense of deprivation, but a sense of actually um, a joyful renunciation, s supporting our minds and hearts to be more here and more at peace. 
So, and of course, that will maybe bring up some discomfort because it means we have to be with ourselves a little bit more, right? The the cell phone in the last 10 years has been the quickest way not to be with ourselves. You're standing waiting for a taxi, out comes the phone. You're standing waiting in line at the ATM, out comes the phone. We have 10 seconds, out comes the phone. So we've lost the art of actually just simply being here, being with ourselves, being present. And so you'll probably feel that, you know, when you go down to the lunch line, you might feel the, the habitual itch to the pocket, oh, I'm just going to check my email, or whatever. Right? And then you go, oh, right, I'm just going to actually be present to the line and be bored or restless or irritated or whatever is here. So I feel like we're having to do like double time practice with thwarting the impact of our technology and our habit of digital distraction and multitasking. You know, it takes a little more work, I think, than it used to, because our brains are a little more scattered. Our attention's more divided. You know, the, the sociologist, I forget a name, who coined the phrase constant partial attention. We live in constant partial attention. You know, we're having a conversation, but we're, you know, tracking our phone. We're driving, but we're talking to someone. We're eating, and we're checking email, or whatever it is. And so, part of this practice, and particularly today, is gathering that scattered, restless, distracted attention. Encouraging the attention to become settled, one-pointed, focused, attuned to our bodily, physical, sensory experience, and just to slowly arrive. You know, our bodies are here, but our psyche, especially if you've flown, you still might be halfway across, you know, in the Midwest or somewhere. It takes a while to really land. You know, sometimes when we come to retreat and we slow down a little, we feel how we're not quite here. And that's why, you know, we have this luxury of a week here where we get to really see what it's like to settle, to arrive, to really arrive, right? You're sort of here, but there's different levels of being here, of being fully physically present to our experience. So, which is why I mentioned yesterday about having patience, right? So today, you know, we'll do a simple practice, mostly attuned to breath and to our body, sitting, walking primarily. And in within that practice, our attention will wander and space out and get distracted and become bored and restless hundreds of times today, maybe thousands of times today. We notice that. We recognize that we've wandered, that we've spaced out, that we start thinking, planning, fantasizing, whatever it is. And without judgment, we release whatever meanderings that we've gone on, and we reestablish mindfulness here. Sitting, or walking as the case may be, breathing, over and over. This is simple gathering, collecting, unifying the attention which in the teaching is called samadhi. Samadhi is this gathered, unified attention, which we, we have at times in our lives when we're really focused, when we're really absorbed and engaged in something, but often it's much more scattered and distracted. I read some research, I don't know, I forget where this data came from, that our attention span in the last 20 years has gone from 12 seconds to eight seconds, 50% reduction or some percentage reduction. I'm not very good at maths. A significant reduction, how about that? (laughs) Um, I heard the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. So we've now, you know, sub-threshold of goldfish. (laughs) How they figured that out, you know, dangling a little piece of food in front of the fish. I don't know how they do that, but anyhow. Um, we all know that our attention is winning. I've seen it in myself. You know, I've, been long, I've been practicing meditation for 35 years. I've seen my attention 
become influenced by technology use these last 15 years. It's very immediate. So it behooves all of us to train. Right? Meditation is a cultivation and a training of mind and heart. It's not about getting into a particular state. It's not about being peaceful or blissful or that can arise. In the context of mindfulness practice, it's simply being present, being aware, knowing what's here, what's arising, what's happening moment by moment in a mind, body, heart, and environment. So we're simply present to the moment-to-moment unfolding of experience. And as a support for that, we begin the retreat and this period of training by giving the attention something very simple to focus on. And then over the days, we'll expand that field or the focus of attention to include more and more experience. Not that all that experience isn't happening. We're just choosing to be a little more contained in our focus as a way of supporting uh, attention and concentration. So for the most part, today we'll use the breath as a way to arrive, as a way to connect with our physical sensory experience. For most of us, the breath is relatively neutral, it's changing, it's felt throughout the body. So it's a useful foundational object in which to rest our attention. If the breath, for whatever reason, isn't so uh, useful for you, maybe because you've got a congestion, asthma, or there's some other you know, history of why the breath isn't so easy for you to attend to. You can also just be present to the uh, experience, the physical sensations of the body sitting. We'll talk more about that as the retreat goes on. And of course, many other experiences will be happening as we, as we engage in whatever practice. For example, being serenaded by the, the happy frogs who are happy that the rains are coming and the creeks are filling. We'll be serenaded by rain. We'll be hearing sounds of people. There'll be other physical sensations happening thoughts, images, etc. And so we notice, we acknowledge all those things and we simply return over and over to just here, sitting and aware of sitting, breathing, aware of breathing, patient, persistent, okay, so a few words about posture. So many of you are in a chair, some of you are on the floor. So the main thing about posture, as you probably know, is to sit upright. It allows some openness in the chest, the energy to flow freely in the spine, and a sense of uprightness rather than slouched over. Having a stable, grounded foundation, whether that's sitting cross-legged, or kneeling as I am, using a bench or cushion. And ideally you want to have a stable foundation. So if you're sitting cross-legged, ideally your knees are uh, on the floor or they're supported by a cushion or one of these knee mats. So you feel a sense of solidity, groundedness. If you're on a chair, ideally your feet are touching the floor they don't, you might want to have a pillow to rest your feet on. And then to ideally not be using uh, 
not to be slouching much on the back of the chair. You might feel the your lower back, you know, digging into the the, the back of the chair. But um, you know, having that sense of using your own energy to uplift the spine, because that creates a certain wakefulness. The more the more the lazy boy kind of chairs that we have, the more we go into a lazy boy meditation, which is not very wakeful. So have the hands on your legs, in the lap. Make sure your head is relatively poised, so you can tilt back and forward, side to side. And then once you've established your posture, then see if you can relax and settle into it. So ideally, the stillness of the body supports stillness of the mind. So the more still, the more we can orient to stillness, not, not sitting rigidly still, but in a relaxed way in stillness, the more it can support the mind to also find stillness. And then for the most part, we sit with our eyes closed in this practice. That's not comfortable or suitable for whatever reason. You can have your gaze lowered, soft, relaxed gaze, looking down at the carpet. And also if you're tired, many of you might be a little tired from just arriving and traveling. And so if you notice already that you're a little sleepy, you might start the practice with your eyes open. If you notice you get sleepy and dreamy in the meditation, also slightly open your eyes. And if you get very sleepy in the sitting, you're also welcome to stand exactly where you are and continue the practice standing, which is a much surefire way to guarantee you won't fall asleep because there's a little more risk involved, about five feet of risk. So establishing your posture, closing your eyes. Again, just taking a moment to just sense into your intention for your practice, to be present, to arrive, to be kind, to release the fascination with our thinking mind, or whatever your intention is. So just take a moment to sense where you are. What's the quality or the condition of the body in this moment? Energized, tired, caffeinated, calm, restless. Mindfulness is simply knowing the conditions of our experience, meeting those conditions with clarity, with knowing, And similarly, knowing the conditions of the heart. What's the feeling, the mood, the emotional landscape in this moment? Same with the mind. What's the quality of the mind as you begin your practice today? Also, just noticing the space in which you sit, even with the eyes closed, just sensing into this room, this field of practitioners. And 
space all around, the sounds and the silence. Establishing mindfulness of the body, becoming aware of your posture, feeling the sense of the body contacting the ground, the earth. you sense your body, notice if there's any tension that's being held unnecessarily in the jaw, in the eyes, shoulders, the belly, allowing those areas, if possible, to release or ease. you rest attention with the general experience of the body sitting. Come to also notice and include awareness of breath. Noticing how the breath is breathing this morning. It's the quality of the breath, deep or shallow, long or short, tense or relaxed. Being curious where you feel the sensations of breath. Taking some moments to tune to the sensations at the tip of the nose. Often a good place to cultivate focused attention. Sensing the cool air of the inhale, warm, softer air of the exhale. Same with including sensations of the chest, noticing all the movements, lifting, expansion of the rib cage, shoulders, the upper back, sensing that expansion, lifting and falling. Not changing or manipulating the breath in any way, simply noticing, feeling, sensing all the subtle movements. The inhale, exhale. In the same way, noticing the diaphragm, belly area. Noticing that movement, subtle, Gross, expanding, contracting, lifting, falling.
Just now letting your attention settle where you feel the breath most clearly. Nostrils, throat, chest, belly. Letting the attention attune to all the subtle movements, sensations in that area. Maybe that you tend to the whole body breathing, the whole movement of breath, from the tip of the nose to the movement of the belly. Whatever supports attention to tether the ground in the simple act of breathing. And of course, it's quite natural that your attention will notice many other things. Thoughts, images, sounds, sensations, feelings. And so we acknowledge those things when they arise. And then as a way to gather and center the attention, we redirect our attention over and over to just this next sensation of inhale, exhale, pause, space between breaths. So returning over and over this moment sitting, this moment breathing,
as a support for attuning to the breath, you can use some supports like labeling in on the inhale, out on the exhale. Or if you find it useful, you can use counting. One on the inhale, two on the exhale, up to 10. And if you get to 10, you can re- begin again at one. With either of those supports, the note or the number is just a faint whisper in the mind. 95% of your attention is feeling and sensing the immediacy of breath. quality of beginner's mind to this breath, each breath distinct, unique from the last. This breath unrepeatable. Can we sense the uniqueness of each inhale, each exhale?
the last few minutes of the sitting, no matter how far the attention roams, it takes only a moment to return, to reestablish mindfulness here, sitting, breathing. You hear the sound of the bell and the meditation, being aware of hearing. And then as you shift from the meditation to post-meditation, maintaining that quality of attention to whatever it is that you do. So we often say this practice is very simple, but not easy. Simple, not easy. Simple that you could tell a six-year-old to do this practice, follow your breath, notice when your mind wanders, come back, and yet not so easy, because our attention, in case you hadn't noticed, wanders, gets bored, falls asleep, gets restless, thinks about anything else but being here, and hence, This is a training, it's a discipline, it's a practice. It's spiritual work. Um, There's a cartoon of a a woman standing in in the the queue, in the line, and um, she's in front of this family of screaming kids, and she's looking very distressed, and she says, and the thought bubble pops up, she says, I want to learn how to be in the present moment, but not this moment. More like a moment at the beach. So we like to be present when we want to be present, and not so much when we don't. And that's, we get to look at that a lot on this retreat. We might, you know, be really present to lunch, (laughs) or to some lightning, which might come tomorrow or a beautiful turkey, you know, spreading its wings. But in the quieter times, the times that we tend to find more neutral, we tend to not want to be here. We space out, we 
come up with a fantasy that's way more interesting than our breath. And so, um, so it takes a little while to settle and to find that, that subtlety of attention that's required to be present to what's a more subtle inner experience than, say, watching a movie. That said, any questions or comments about your practice this morning? Well, every morning we'll take questions about your sitting practice, walking practice, or even just you know, anything that's coming up for you here, being on retreat, silence. Anything that would be useful to ask about and no question is too simple or too silly to ask. Yes. Yes. So I think um, it looks like there's plenty of free chairs now. So um, we can put to use these two chairs back here. Um, we can always, there's more chairs actually in the closet. Um, so yes, at any time feel free. I mean, ideally when you sit, when you ideally not move in the sitting, you know, just know, you know, sometimes it's helpful to alternate, you know, helps the knees and the hips and the ankles. Um, so I would suggest if you're not using a chair, you take your stuff off the chair so people know that it's available. Um, so, and if you are using a chair, which many of you are the whole time, then leave something on it so people know that's your regular chair. Yes, and be mindful. You know, often the, a good criteria is if you sit down to start the meditation and you already feel like, oh God, this is going to be grueling, sit in a chair if the chair is going to help. Because there's no, there's enough pain in life without creating more pain in the sitting. So, um, and enlightenment has nothing to do with the shape of your legs, as my first teacher used to say. So, chair, sitting, kneeling, whatever posture is is conducive, including standing. You know, friends who stand the whole time because that's better for their body. So, yeah, please, thanks. Other questions? Hi, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I'll make a note of that because um, I didn't do that. Yes, it feels very warm in here. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't help with the... And actually, one of the, one, and I know this is quite a few people sleep in the room already, which is natural. Um, and the cooler that you sit, the better. So if you're all bundled up with lots of layers, it's all very cozy and nesty, and then, you know, it's like perfect you know, nest for sleeping. So sit a little cool will actually keep you more wakeful also. So yeah, thank you, we'll get on that. Please. Uh, during free time, which I'm surprised I have a lot now, uh, should I be sitting as well? Should I try meditating then, or is it just, what should I do? Yes, thank you for that important question. So um, I meant to mention something about that. So in this retreat, there's technically no free time. <laughs> I mean, from a perspective of mindfulness. Right? From the perspective of the practice, every moment, as I mentioned yesterday, is an opportunity to be present. Whether you're in a formal, so this formal and informal practice, you could say. Formal practice is the sitting, is the what's on the schedule here. And the informal practice is all the in-between times, whether it's in the dining room, having a cup of tea, in your room, bathing, or doing nothing. And so... So you can do more practice. You could come in here, do more sitting. You could do walking practice outside, um, which I'll give instructions for in a moment. Um, or you can just simply be present. You know, maybe you're just sitting in your room looking out the window. And rather than getting lost in a flurry of thoughts about what you're going to do after the retreat, you're just present to your body, sitting, seeing, hearing, enjoying or not. Um, or you go down to have a cup of tea and you're just present to a cup of tea, drinking, smelling, tasting, enjoying or not. Um, so so the, what I like to stress on retreats um, is the quality of meditative awareness, which is sort of akin to mindfulness, which is just the, the, the experience of being present to life, to our experience moment by moment. 
So in that, in that context, everything is, a, is an opportunity for being present. Cleaning your teeth, getting dressed, undressed, showering, walking down the hill, walking in the woods. Um, so you just bring in the, whatever, we, whatever instructions we give in here, the same applies in every moment. So, and the more that you apply mindfulness in those in-between times, the more you support the practice in the formal sittings and the walkings. Yeah. So over the days, you come to establish a meditative awareness or presence, where a mindfulness becomes more the, the norm than the aberration. Yeah. Okay. So... We have some announcements, and um, Chris, do you want to say a little about something about the yoga? So, obviously, um, dress as comfortable as you can for the yoga. You'll probably be okay in jeans, but it might be nice to have something a little stretchy on. Um, we're going to be meditating right before it and moving, transitioning into that uh, yoga class, which could be a very graceful transition if we're mindful. Um, and I'll explain it to you as we, um, you know, when we arrive there. But I invite you to just stay in your practice throughout the transitions. Um, we'll, beginning, uh, we'll be beginning the class with some sort of more subtle work with the breath and then coming into the spine. The beginning of the class, uh, those of you that are on chairs are fine on chairs, but it would be wonderful if you could also set up a yoga mat. So maybe we could have the chairs towards the back and the mats in front. Um, And those of you comfortable sitting, um, definitely bring a zafu so you have something underneath you. Um, From there, we'll do some stretching, getting into the body. And then at that point, I'd love to go into some asanas, which will be a, a bit more strengthening. But I really invite you to listen to your body. And if it doesn't feel right or it's too much, you know, modify. Uh, I'll give you some options at that point as well. Um, but my intention is to not only um, provide some space for you to sense into your body, establish this uh, mindfulness within the body, um, through the sensations, but also to get a good um, opening within uh, the vessel of your body through the stretching and the strengthening. And it will close with a shavasana at the end. And again, if anyone has any concerns, maybe after you uh, experience the class, come to me and just let me know in terms of bodily injuries or um, any questions you might have in regard to the practice. Are there any questions? Yeah. Yeah, so we have uh, plenty of yoga mats uh, in this closet, and so when we make the transition, uh, we'll clear everything, and then you'll grab a mat over there. Hi, good morning. Um, During, I, I believe during the manager's opening last night, Ramon mentioned affinity group sits. It's possible there was a lot of information, so that might have gone in and out of your heart minds. But just to touch base on that, so uh, starting tonight for the seven o'clock sit, we'll be alternating the affinity groups, and I'll describe that in a second. But basically, um, according to our schedule, we have a sit after, so we have our evening meal at 5.30, and then a meditation at 7 p.m. And so if you do not um, identify as a POC, a practitioner of color, a person of color, um, or um, someone from the LGBTQI community, you would continue coming into this room um, for, your, for your practice. But for the affinity groups, we'll be alternating. So 7 p.m. as of tonight will be the POC sit. Tomorrow will be the LGBTQI. Um, and then again, POC, LGBTQI. Um, And so we'll be alternating in that way in the council house. Is that right? Council house, yeah. Um, And so you will be sharing the affinity group with the other retreat that's happening downstairs. So you might see other people um, sharing that space with you, just to let you know. 
And for those of you who are not familiar with um, the affinity group, um, or if you're, say, from the dominant uh, European, say, white culture, you might be feeling like, well, why, why do we need an affinity group? Aren't we all one? Aren't we here to come together? Um, and you might be silently or internally crossing your arms and wanting to be invited. Um, but I invite you to just feel into that and, ex and explore that. Um, because from my experience, when there has been um, an affinity group, so I self-identify as a practitioner of color. And um, for me, just being able to share, even though it's a much smaller space than, say, right now we're 40, when I would go into those affinity groups, we'd be maybe five or ten people. But just practicing alongside people who resemble me, um, which is not the case on a day-to-day -day basis, um, the, the majority of my life, unless I'm with my family or other POC practitioners, um, there's a certain... Um, I don't know, like a, I, I can feel this visceral relaxation just from being around people who resemble me, who I um, would project, and it's not necessarily true, but a lot of times uh, um, I would find out it is true, but I would project that we have similar backgrounds or similar values, um, or just, um, yeah, just just being with, um, with people that I feel um, I could feel uh, safe with. And not to say that I don't feel safe in a larger, more, say, white dominant space, but there's something definitely viscerally different for me when I'm in a, in a, a, a POC space. And so, and I'm just speaking from the POC perspective, and um, because I don't identify as LGBTQI. Uh, but I've heard from colleagues that it's um, from that community that it is a similar experience. And so the way that I like to view it is that we're just creating a, a, perhaps a smaller community for which people from marginalized communities who feel marginalized on a very regular basis can feel perhaps a little bit more welcome or maybe, uh, quote unquote, the dominant because there'll be only POC people even though there may be, say, five or ten. Um, Yeah, so, so I like to maybe think of it as well as uh, having the affinity groups. It's really in service to the uh, marginalized populations and is, it is not meant to punish by any means the dominant culture. Um, and, and that's sometimes how it is received. But it is not meant to create separation, but rather to give space and room to everybody as best we can given the facilities we have, the schedule, etc. And so that, again, just to repeat, it's uh, 7 p.m. and it'll be alternating. So tonight it'll start with the uh, practitioners of color and tomorrow with the alphabet sangha and then switch from there. Um, are there any questions for now around that? Um, I believe, at least on the other retreats that I've been on with the affinity groups, there's a, there will be an altar set up in there. And, um, and if you do practice in there, you're also welcome to bring a photo uh, or a little ornament or something that you would like to place on the altar, just to not forget it at the end of the retreat. Okay, so we're going to shift into some walking practice, and I'm just going to review some of those instructions. So if you'd like to uh, stand, since part of walking is standing... <clears throat> and just notice how you get from sitting to standing. Notice how you might already be standing and not notice how you got from sitting to standing. Sometimes I make people do that again, but I'm not going to put you through that. But just next time, just be notice, you know, with everything that we do here, can we slow it down enough? There's no rush, there's nothing to get to except somewhere else to be more mindful. So, you know, in a way it's all the same. And... Um, I'll just say a couple things about standing. So, as I mentioned, in the sitting, whenever you're feeling tired, drowsy, dreamy, sleepy, dull, you can always stand as an alternative to sitting. And the practice of standing is just simply continuing whatever practice that we've been doing. In this case, being aware of our body, being aware of breath, 
And I like to really be curious about the contact of my feet with the ground. That's the place I primarily put my attention. For some it may still be with the breath, but for myself it's just really arriving in my feet, landing, sensing, feeling the contact of the bones, the flesh, the skin, through the soles of the feet, with the mat, with the floor, the hardness, softness, texture, temperature, feeling the weight, the density, and also noticing the movement of the body. The body is rarely still. It's always tensing, relaxing, swaying, and then just having an overall sense of the body standing. Again, noticing if there's any areas of tension that you can release, areas of space, areas of compression. Standing and aware of standing. So in our walking practice, we stand. So um, how we walk in this tradition is we find a place um, outside. If it's not raining, or if you're like me, you like walking in the rain with a nice big umbrella and you walk, it's a beautiful thing. We've been praying for rain here. We've just started to get it this week. First time in eight, mo- eight months. Um, so you find a place and you walk up and down, maybe 20, 30 steps. Uh, there is a walking room down the, uh, if you go down the stairs into the foyer, out into the foyer, down the back steps. It's underneath the uh, main meditation hall. And um, you can walk also in there, especially if it's raining. Uh, or you find a place in the courtyard or in the road here. Or there's a couple of paths in the woods there that you can walk. Very beautiful place to walk. And you just get to your walking place and you're doing exactly what you're doing now, which is you first stand and you just ground and you center and you feel the experience of your body standing. You might notice the space around you and... Of course, with walking, there's a lot more going on. There's the, all the senses are open. You're seeing, you're hearing. Um, there's people around. There's other beings around, turkeys or birds or worms. Or, so there's a lot more stimulation, which for many people is, makes it easier to be present. For some, that can be a little more distracting. If you find it distracting, it might be easier for you to walk inside. And you might experiment with both indoor and outdoor walking because they lend some different uh, experiences. And then you just, with intention, you start walking. And I start normally walking at a normal pace just because my legs are usually a little stiff and a little achy. And, and then stop. Be aware of stopping. And then you mindfully turn around. And you do exactly the same thing. You walk back. It's a complete pointless activity of going nowhere, doing nothing, except walking up and down. And being present. So what do we normally do when we're walking? Where is your attention normally? Right, it's over there, right? It's where we're going. Right, right. Rarely is it actually just, oh, I'm walking to work and I'm late for a meeting, but I'm feeling the contact of the soles of my feet on the tarmac. No, I'm not doing that. I'm worrying about being late. So in walking, we're just being physically present, feeling the movement of the feet, lifting, moving, placing, turning, stepping, sensing, feeling the, the weight, right? When you walk, there's that sense of moving back and forwards with the weight. So right now, as you're standing, just move your weight back and forwards as you would when you walk. And this is we sort of slightly fall when we walk. And then if you can, take a slow step forward or or just stand in place, walk in place, sorry. And just notice as you lift your weight, foot lifts, move through space, knee swings, you step, you lift again. And there's a whole range of causing a whole range of sensations. The legs, the feet and again, it requires a subtlety of attention. Our attention is usually not so highly attuned. So it takes practice in the same way that we were with breath to come back, to be curious. What is it, what is it like, this miracle of walking? When you watch a one-year-old take their first steps, it's an amazing thing that this you know, being walks two-legged. 
right? We're the rare creatures that walk two-legged. So, so we bring our attention to the changing, shifting sensations, lifting, and you can even use a note, you can use stepping, stepping, left, right, lifting, moving, placing. So you can use labeling to help bring your attention a little closer, so you're naming what's happening moment by moment. Have your eyes mostly cast down. Have your hands by your side or in your lap or in your pockets, whatever's comfortable. And then in terms of the speed, so you may start, basically you're walking at whatever speed supports you being present. In the beginning that might be normal pace. What I find is I let my body determine the speed. Usually as the walking practice goes on, I I find myself walking slower. And as I walk much slower, I find the concentration grows. But then maybe I get sleepy, so I pick the pace up again. So your your pace is attuned to what supports being present. And then when the attention wanders, or you find yourself looking around or spacing out, notice that. Come back. This moment. This step. I find with the what I like about the walking up and down is by the time you've walked to the end of your walking line, you stop. You've probably spaced out a few times. You turn around. Okay, present recommit to the intention to be present, you continue walking like that. And then we'll have bells that will indicate coming back for the next sitting. You want to add anything to that? Yeah, thank you. Um, And so I like how Mark said it's a completely pointless activity. Meaning, and so what I want to take from that is if for whatever reason you're not able to continue walking for the duration of the period because of bodily stuff or whatnot, it's not the act of walking in and of itself that's important, but just kind of moving mindfully, in which case you could maybe sit and then um, hands on the lap, and then you could focus on lifting the hand up towards your heart, eventually bringing the hands to prayer, but moving really slowly, and then bringing the hands back down to your lap, and doing that over and over. And that could be a great alternative for walking meditation if walking is not possible for you. Any questions about the walking? So one thing you might notice, especially if you're walking outside, is there's, you know, it's beautiful here. So there's, of course, a natural inclination to want to just um, take it in. And and that can be a little bit of a tension. So what I normally do, because I also am just in love with the land here, is I find my walking spot, and I just look around for a moment. I just take it in, seeing, enjoying, beauty. And then I come in back into my body and start walking. And then maybe after a few laps, as, as you can call them laps, <laughs> Um, I might pause and I might take the trees in again. I just like pull to just absorbing that green lusciousness, and I walk. So, you know, it's not like the only thing that's happening is walking. You know, sometimes an emotional storm arises, a lower thought storm arises, and that moment you might stop and just take a moment to say, "Okay, just feel what you're feeling. Notice what thoughts are raging, or a lizard comes by, or a beautiful bluebird. You know, you know." pauses on a branch next to you, and so you just pause and you take it in, seeing, enjoying, appreciating, and then you carry on walking. Or you're walking and you hear the sound of the frogs and you just pause and you notice our hearing, enjoying. So we're just present to one thing at a time for the most part. Yes, question here. Yes, yeah, the bell's pretty loud, yeah. So since we're a little running over time, and this is actually a very short walking meditation, I'm going to suggest that when you hear the bell, which will be in 10 minutes, ignore that, (laughs) and come back 10 minutes after the bell, más o menos. So we'll hear a bell in 10 minutes, which will be 10.20, and and just walk for another 10 minutes, that'll be 10.30, and then make your way back in here, so you will be back in here at 10.35. 10.40-ish, okay? All right, thank you. Let's say 10.35, because you're wearing watches, so, okay, thanks.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.